You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled, Think His Thoughts, Part 2. Enjoy. God, you're so good. Thank you, Father. You don't have one thing to worry about. Not one thing. You don't have one thing to be discouraged about. Why would, you, why would you let the enemy discourage you? Why would you let circumstances discourage you? Don't you know that the God you serve, the maker of heaven and earth, has become your father? That he's greater than any circumstance around you? That he's 100% for you? That he gave his son for you? That he demonstrated his love for you perfectly by giving his only son? That he's with you? That he's in you? That he always causes us to triumph in him? This should be our regular pattern of thought, right? We're talking about thinking God's thoughts. Thinking God's thoughts. Think His thoughts is the name we started last week. And let's play a little game. We said that thoughts, we're going to see if you can identify some of these quotes I'm going to read to you. But why are we talking about thinking God's thoughts? Then we're going to play a little game. Well, when you can think the thoughts that someone has, that means you know them intimately, right? I mean, my, my, my wife and I have been married almost 26 years now, and, and, and there are times we know what each other is thinking and we haven't said a word because we know each other very, very well, intimately. God wants you to know Him intimately, so that you don't guess anymore and wonder about what he's thinking, but that you are 100% sure of his intentions, his will, and his thoughts towards you. And we have in our hands, you got your hard copy Bible. If you don't have a hard copy Bible, don't let the devil steal from you anymore. Get one of these. Get a good leather one, one that's well made. Spend the money. Invest in your destiny. This is a recording of God's thoughts towards you. Pages and pages and pages of what God has planned and purpose for you. Okay? You don't go through another day without getting his thoughts into your mind. So what's so important about thoughts? A lot of things. Remember the thoughts that we allow to stay in our mind eventually become things we believe, right? Doesn't matter if they're true. We just start believing them because we've allowed them to stay in our mind. That's kind of a startling thing, isn't it? You mean I, can be, have, I could be believing things for decades that aren't true? Yeah. People are doing it by the millions. They believed it because maybe their parents told them that. Maybe their church told them that. Maybe their school told them that. Maybe a, a, a famous celebrity told them that. So what, are, what the thoughts we allow to stay in our mind, if we let them stay in there long enough, they become beliefs. And what do those beliefs turn into? Words. You can tell what someone believes, just have a conversation with them for a while. Right? Those beliefs become words, and then what do they turn into? Actions, right? 
So our thoughts, if we let them stay in there long enough, if we meditate on them, whether they're true or not, they become personal beliefs of ours. And then, if, and then those beliefs will eventually come out of our mouths as words. And those words will turn into actions. And where, where do those actions take you? To a destination. Right? They will take you to a destination. We say, we say God has a destiny for our life. What does that word destiny mean? A destination. But if you've got the wrong thoughts in there, you're going to arrive at a destination that God never prepared for you. Your, your wrong thinking will turn into wrong believing, will turn into wrong speaking, will turn into wrong acting, and will take you to a place that is the wrong place, and you'll wonder, how did I get here? What happened? How did I arrive at this destination? How did I arrive at this place? We've got to go back to your thoughts. So this is huge. So here's some, here's some thoughts from different people throughout history. I thought this would be fun. I'm going to just read a statement, and you see if you can tell me who said it, okay? The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Hey, that's good. Yeah, FDR, right? Franklin D. Roosevelt, back in 1933, I think this was said, right? Good. So you've heard that before, right? These are thoughts that people have heard before. Not the gospel, but I'm just sharing thoughts, things that people have said. How about this one? Um, any society that will give up a little liberty to gain a little security will deserve neither and lose both. Woo! Good job, guys. Ben Franklin. Good old Ben. Yeah. I'm going to read that again because you need to hear that. Any society that will give up a little liberty <laughs> to gain a little security will deserve neither and lose both. Good stuff, isn't it? How about this one? It is not the critic who counts, nor the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena. Teddy, Theodore. Yeah, Theodore Roosevelt, right? That's who the teddy bear was made after, right? How about this one? Never let the fear of striking out keep you from playing the game. The babe, right? Who struck out more than anybody? Babe, who hit more home runs than anybody? Yeah. That's a good one. I like that. How about this? Many of life's failures are, excuse me, many of life's failures are people who did not realize how close they were to success when they gave up. Edison, good job. You guys are good. You're winning this game. How about this one? I failed my way to success. Also Edison. Someone said it. Good job. Yeah. This fun game. How about this one? You have brains in your head. You have feet in your shoes. You can steer yourself any direction you choose. <laughs> Good job. Green eggs and ham. You got it. Awesome. How about this one? 
Whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Who said it? Henry Ford. Yeah, right? Yeah, the automobile, huh? I like that one. Whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. That's, that's a good message right there, right? Hallelujah. Well, let's do just a few more. How about this one? Success is not, excuse me, success is not final. Failure is not fatal. Let me say this again. Success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. Isn't that good? I'll read it again. Success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. Who's that? Nope. Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill. One more. Success is, is walking from failure to failure with no loss of enthusiasm. Who's that? Yeah, success is walking from failure to failure with no loss of enthusiasm. Who's that? Good guess. It's also Winston Churchill. Yeah. So there's some thoughts, right? There's some, we, we, we get inside someone's thoughts by listening to their words, right? That's why the Word of God is the most important thing in your life, whether you realize it or not. It is. The best thing you could ever do with your whole person and with your life is to put His Word into your mind. Nothing will benefit you more than putting the Word of God into your mind and meditating on it. Okay? So we said last week in Think His Thoughts, we started getting into um, some good, good stuff. And we said a total reformation of our thinking is necessary. It's good to know that. Sometimes we come to God and we think and, and we believe in Christ, but we don't change the way we think and we wonder why things aren't changing. So we keep living the way we've been living, keep thinking the way we've been thinking, and then we get upset at God and wonder why it's not working. It's because we haven't changed the way we think. You must, it is essential to let the Word of God transform, renew, reform the way you think. A total reformation of our thinking is necessary in order to know Him intimately, to experience His will consistently. Emphasis on the word consistently. Because I guarantee you there will be things that will come your way that are opposing the will of God in your life. And if you're not grounded in His thoughts, in His Word, you will give way to them instead of kicking them out of your life. Okay? So it, 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 His Word in our thinking enables us to experience His will in our lives. And this reformation of our thinking enables us to move forward and fulfill our destiny. So let's go to Romans 12 again. Romans 12, verse 2. Romans 12, verse 2. This is a combination of the Passion and the New International Version. 
Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. It's a good word right there, isn't it? But be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. Isn't that good? This is necessary and essential if you want to experience the healing God has provided for you. You may go, you may receive a healing. Someone prays for you, just a manifestation of the grace of God. But if you want to walk in divine health, in wholeness, the rest of your life, it requires a reformation of your thinking. Getting in this book regularly and letting it change the way you think. There are no other options. So the choice is yours. We're not talking about legalism. We're not talking about wrongly interpreting the Bible, which has been done a lot. We're talking about finding God's thoughts in here. You don't have to look far because they're all over the pages. And meditating in them until they become so real to us we act on them and live by them. This doesn't happen in a day. It takes time and it takes commitment. What we learned last week, we were made for total commitment. You are made for it. And life is frustrating when you're not totally committed to Christ. It is. It's the totally committed ones that make it. Same thing's true of marriage. Yeah. Yeah. Marriage would be frustrating if you weren't totally committed. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Many people are frustrated simply because they're not totally committed to Christ. They're not totally committed to their marriage. This will empower you to discern God's will. Wow. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So if I'm not renewing my mind with the Word of God, I don't know what God's will is. There are a bunch of believers in this situation. They haven't taken the time. They haven't recognized the value of God's Word. And so therefore, they haven't renewed their mind with God's Word. And they've got lots of decisions to make, but they can't discern what is God's will and what is not. Well, it tells us right there God's will is good, right? It's pleasing. It's perfect. But you can't know that if you're not in the Word. This Word is alive. What does discern mean? I like this. It means to perceive, to recognize. But it also, if you go back to the history of the Word, the etymology, it means to separate apart. In other words, God's Word is like a sifter or a sieve. It enables you to separate uh, the things that you don't need from the things that you do need in your life. When you get in the Word of God, because it's alive and it's powerful. We read that last week, right? Hebrews 4.12. The Word of God is alive and powerful. We're going to get to it here in a moment. When you read the Word of God automatically... It goes to work in you. You've got to believe it too, obviously. 
You read it, you believe it, you meditate on it, you believe it's true for you today. So it takes two things, reading it and believing it, right? When, when you do that, it begins working on the inside of you and it will enable you to separate the things that are not important from the things that are important in your life. Oh boy. I want to talk about a time saver and an energy saver, a money saver. Wouldn't it be uh, sad if you were spending your money on something that wasn't really going to make a difference in your life? Wouldn't it be sad if, if so many nations went through all of these uh, COVID regulations and it made no difference as to how the virus functioned in society? Wouldn't it be sad to know that all of this was done and didn't need to be done? You know, there was a nation who did that, right? They didn't do all of the COVID scare thing. They just continued with life. They did some minor things, but they continued. Everything stayed open. And there were the, the results of what happened in their nation or any other nation were no different. Isn't it amazing how much money fear will cost you? How much aggravation and frustration how inconvenient fear is. You may not uh, understand what I just said, but get in the Word and let it transform your thinking. I can say things to you that are absolutely true that you would reject because your mind's not renewed. You, God could speak to you directly and you'd say no if your mind's not renewed. Isn't that amazing? People say, oh, if God walked in the room, I'd follow Him. No, you wouldn't. Uh-uh. There are people that, that rejected him when they were face-to-face with him. You've got to renew your mind. There's a good chance there are some thoughts in your mind that shouldn't be there, that you've made friends with, that you wake up and, and pet them every day and say, Hi, little thought. Hello, anxiety. Hi, fear. Hi, worry. I'm so glad you're back. God's Word enables you to separate that which should be discarded from that which should be kept. It enables you to separate the wanted things from the unwanted things, the wanted elements from the unwanted materials. So to sieve or to sift is what God's word does. And here's a definition of sifting. To examine thoroughly as to isolate that which is most important or useful. So I get in the word and I know that what it's doing is enabling me to examine the things in my life and isolate that which is most important and useful and get rid of the other things. Hebrews 4.12 says it this way, For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Separates, right? Piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. Many people are bound in their soul. They don't even know they have a spirit. And their spirit's trying to lead them, but they can't get away from all of the stuff up in their mind because they haven't renewed their mind. And their fears have them in bondage. They're worried. They're afraid. They're depressed because their soul is, has trapped them. 
But if they get in the Word, they could break that thing and start walking in the Spirit. Oh, I, I cannot emphasize enough the value of the Word of God. So it's piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. So now when I get into the Word, I say, oh, wait a minute, that's just my soul talking. That's not my spirit. I start seeing things. Oh, that's just an emotion. That's just the way I, that's just a feeling I have right now. That's not who I am. Boy, will this set you free. Oh, I'm not depressed. That's just a feeling I have right now. Right? That's just the, the way my soul is feeling, but the joy of the Lord is my strength. Right? So you won't accept any labels of man when you begin to listen to your spirit. Separating soul and spirit and joints and marrow, the very core of you. And is a discerner. Remember Romans 12 too? This will empower you to discern God's will. His word is a discerner, separator, sifter, sieve of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So any plans that I have, I put them in the sifter of God's word. And I just meditate in the word. You know, like they you see the, I never did it, but you're watching the movies, they're panning for gold, and they get their sieve or their sifter, they go in the river, and they scoop up a bunch of mud, right, rocks. And, and see, this is what the Lord's been speaking to me, that over these last few months, people have, have, got, have allowed a lot of mud in their thinking, a lot of man's thoughts and fears that just muddied up your waters, and, and, and some people are making some big decisions based on muddy thinking. And that's what, what, what one of the results of this isolation and this stay at home, people have begin, begin uh, accepting ideas of man that they found online. Instead of accepting the very word of God that was brought to them in person. So when you put it in there, you got to shake that thing. And you need water flowing through that sifter, Holy Spirit, right, to, to get that mud out so you can see what you actually have there. So people say, oh, you should do this. You should do that with your life. I, I, I put it in God's Word. And I, <laughs> yeah. It takes time. And I, let it, I, I just meditate on the Word of God, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. And anyone who comes after me must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me, or he is not worthy of me. I just let that word of God sift in me, right? I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. See, I'm sifting these ideas and plans through the word of God, and inevitably what you'll find is it will become clear to you what you're to do. But if you just go with a feeling... Or, or what so-and-so said, you may find yourself five years from now in a destination you were never meant to be. God's Word is a sifter. Hallelujah. So because we love Jesus, we love His Word. In fact, there are two things required to be saved. Got another hair on me. I'm a hairy guy, I guess. I don't know. 
Just saw it floating in the air there. <laughs> there are two things required to be saved. What does it say in Romans 10, 9, and 10? That if you confess Jesus as your buddy, doesn't say that. Why? Buddies can mislead you. Confess Jesus as Lord. What is Lord? The authority in your life. Listen, authority is a glorious thing when it's godly. Because it's born of love. We all need godly authority in our lives. All of us. Now, you may have had an experience with ungodly authority, so you want to reject authority. Don't do that. Reject ungodly authority, yes, absolutely. But you want to, bring, let's say, God, Father, bring godly authority into my life. Right? So we confess Jesus as the authority over our lives, and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. Do you know there are Christians who debate over that? They'll say Jesus didn't die. I have to wonder if they're really Christians. Because what's the word say? You confess Jesus as Lord and believe that God raised him from the... Now, if he didn't die, I, I mean, I'm not a mathematician, but how can he rise from the dead? Come on. You know, I, I, I didn't major in physics or anything, but it just seems to me if someone rose from the dead, they must have had died at some point, right? How funny and how twisted the enemy can make things. I can't call myself a Christian if I don't accept his word. Many do. But God reveals to us in his word how to become one of his kids. You confess Jesus as Lord. That means if someone comes into my life and contradicts what the word says, I don't accept what they say. I accept what the word says. Why? Because he's my authority now. What if I, I put him on the same level as man's wisdom? Is he my authority? No, he's not. What if I put him on the same level as a professor or an expert in a certain field? Is he my authority? No. I have to elevate him, and it's a choice. In other words, he says it, I believe it, period. This is when salvation comes. Why? Because you need to exalt him to that level in order to experience him. He's flawless. He's never learned anything. He's never forgotten anything. He's never theorized about anything. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows everything about everything. He always has and he always will. So I've got to acknowledge him as the authority in my life. And you'll hear people say, well, I, okay, I, yeah, Jesus is my Lord, but I don't believe the Bible. Well, then you haven't accepted Jesus as Lord. They're one and the same. I know this is a written book. But you will find, if you get into this book, that the written word clearly reveals the living word, Jesus Christ. You will not find another book like it. I believe we will be studying and meditating this book for the rest of eternity. It is endless. 
You try it and see. Verses I've meditated on for 30 years are, are almost like I've never seen them before. Because it's like a whole new level. And that's happened these last few months. This whole new level of a verse that I've read maybe hundreds of times. Now it's like, wow. What? Yeah, it is. Layers and layers of life are in this book. And many have believed the criticisms of this book. They believe the, the man's philosophies about this book. And they've let people talk them right out of their destiny. Because your destiny is in this book. It is. Someone's got to tell you that. And people say, well, there's contradictions in the Bible. Are there really? Or have you studied the whole Scripture and kept it in context? Have you learned what was going on when those things were said? Have you taken the time? Well, I didn't know. Well. Don't jump to conclusions about the Bible. Get into it. Stay with it. I tell people, you know, you open the book to Genesis 1, but before you open it, say, Holy Spirit, reveal Christ to me. And then start reading. Don't let anything block. Don't, don't read it with preconceived ideas in what philosopher so-and-so says. Just read it. And let the Holy Spirit teach it to you. It will change your life. You'll discover it's alive. Although it's just a written book and we can throw it in the trash, but the content came by the Spirit of God. God inspired people to write this so that we could have a record of his thoughts and promises towards us. How important is that? Listen, I, I'm trying to help you. And I know these last few months you've heard a lot of voices, but the Lord has been impressing upon me that many in this highway family have allowed other voices to creep in in these last four or five months. And there's some sifting that needs to go on to get the mud out of your thinking. If you're not bursting with joy, there's some mud in your thinking. If fear doesn't run when it sees you, there's mud in your thinking. If worry and anxiety don't uh, jump into a corner and weep when you come in the room, there's mud in your thinking. We reign as kings in this life with Jesus Christ. He's our Lord and He's given us His authority to walk in and reign over these things. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. You have to choose to see things as God sees them. You have to choose to think as He thinks. And I know that's a big deal. Because there's so many that will tell you otherwise. But we get in this book and we choose to embrace the very thoughts of God. We choose to see things as He sees them. Not as CNN sees them. Not as Fox News sees them. Not as uh, any political group sees them. But as He sees them. Why? Because He's Lord. Right? What platform are you of? This one. This is my platform for all political decisions. 
Hello. This is my platform for every political decision I make. Well, is it Republican or Democrat? I don't care. This is my platform. It's Jesus. You will find the Lord on these pages and you'll find your destiny right here. When you begin to make every decision in your life, and I mean every decision, because of the content of what's on these pages, life begins. <laughs> then you'll start really seeing clearly. If you're making life decisions not based on the content of these pages, inevitably you're going to go in the wrong direction. You need the sifter. You need the, the sieve to, to discern which way to go. Many don't understand. When they think of a demon, they think of someone like on the movie Exorcist. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that's an old movie. I don't, I'm not endorsing it in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> There's no, tr no, no uh, truth in it. But other than this, you can be possessed by a devil, and it could look like that. But when people think of demonic activity, they often think of possession, and that's real. I'm not knocking that. But there's also oppression. In other words, that doesn't mean someone's in a cave cutting themselves and breaking chains like the man from Gadarene in the region there of, of Gadarene, the Gadarenes. But there's demonic oppression. And that's when spirits have targeted you and have been shooting thoughts and symptoms and feelings towards you. And you won't even recognize it if you're not in the Word. Demons are, not, if they know they can't possess you and they can't do whatever they want, if they know that's not an option, they can't oppress you, they'll, they'll try and at least to influence your thought life. Demons want to influence your thought life. That's, that's like the, the least they can do. If, if you'll give them that, they'll take that. But boy, it'll wreak havoc in your life. You'll be a person shut away in your home, full of fear, afraid to go outside, worried what's going to happen the next day. You'll be looking for some kind of uh, prescription medication you can take to get through this, and you'll become a person bound in fear. And what's going on, there's demons that have targeted you, that have been influencing you through thoughts, through the philosophies of man, through any number of sources. How are you going to recognize that? Yeah. Right here. Yeah. You get in this word, you will begin to discern demonic activity. Yeah. That doesn't mean, ah, you see something like this. It will just be a little thought, a little feeling that's ever so subtle, but it's got fear attached to it. Or it's got a symptom of a disease attached to it. I'm going to say something to you. Jesus has already healed you. It's Satan giving you those lying symptoms in your body. How are you going to know that? When I get in here, I find out that he already healed me before I was born. 
How are we doing? We all right? There, things will shock you that are very true, but if you're not in here, you won't even be able to receive it because your mind hasn't been renewed. And your religious tradition will rise up. and Why did he just say that? That's ridiculous. And I can't believe he said something like that. And you're missing the very word that would make you whole. I am amazed at the criticisms of good Bible teachers. Amazed. And, I, and I'll, you know, just sometimes I'll end up coming across it online, and I'll read what this critic is saying, and I thought, I wonder if they actually ever heard the person they're criticizing. <laughs> Chances are they haven't. They, they, they saw a little snippet somewhere, or someone told them, don't listen to so-and-so. They're a blasphemer. They're a heretic. And, and I thought, my goodness. They don't know what they're missing. Some of the, the, the best Bible teachers on the planet are some of the worst criticized Bible teachers. So when, if you see a lot of criticism about something, I'd, I'd, I'd check them out. <laughs> I'd go listen to them. The chances are they're probably really good. I'm serious. <laughs> Hallelujah. We're made to have Jesus as our Lord. We're made for total commitment to Christ. If you're not totally committed to his word, to who he is and what he's done for you, you're missing out on your destiny. You'll never reach your destination. Impossible. Because he is your destination. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's see if we can get through this. 2 Chronicles 16.9. You remember this? For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong on behalf of everybody. What? I thought we were all God's children. Who told you that? Where did you get that idea? It's a cute little song that they sing in public schools. Well, Why, why do you think it's true? We're not all God's children. God doesn't show himself strong on behalf of everyone. He wants to. He really, really wants to. It's his will. He wants everyone to be saved. He wants everyone to become his child. But who does he show himself strong on? Oh, let's put that up there, please. Esther, if you could, get that up there, please. Get that word on the screen. Thank you. Whose hearts are fully committed to him. Wow. So the commitment of my heart, the level of commitment determines how much God can show himself in my life. Wow. The level of my personal heart commitment to him determines how much he can show himself to me. I'm telling you, a lot of believers in churches for a lot of time that haven't fully committed to it. Fully committed. He's fully committed to you. He is. No one can change his mind on that. He's always been fully committed to you. We've not always been fully committed to him, though, have we? Let's change that today. What if you just forgot your past, everything before this moment, and say, God, I'm fully committed to you.
Just do that. Forget the past. Don't turn your past into some kind of labyrinth you can't figure out. Just say, Jesus, your Lord now. I embrace you now. I give my whole heart to you now. I fully commit my whole person, every dream, every thought, every plan, every purpose, every relationship. I fully commit it all to you. Be Lord of all that I am. <laughs> it is like a marriage, isn't it? He's fully committed to us. If we want to experience the benefits of this marriage with him, we need to be fully committed to him. How can you build anything if you're not fully committed? Can you imagine trying to build a house without being fully committed to building a house? Even before you build a house, you need to know, you know, do we want to do this? Right? What's required for this to happen? Because chances are you get, get started, and if you don't know what, what you're in for, you're going to say, oh, we can't do this. <laughs> oh, this, this requires too much of me, right? Love is powerful. Love requires all you are. Nothing less. Love is nothing less than all that you are. Love requires no, nothing less than everything you have. Oh, does this hurt? It's real love. It's where love lives. Love requires all of you. We're made in the image of God. He's fully committed to us. That means we can reciprocate that same commitment back unto Him. You can? What's Jeremiah 29, 13 say? You will seek me and find me when you watch a good preacher on TV. When you like the positive scriptures. But the ones that challenge you to change, you don't like. No? What's it say? You'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Do you know I've read things in here that I didn't like when I first read them? That challenged the way I lived? That flew right in the face of what my family told me growing up? I had a choice to make. Am I going to accept what he says? Am I going to fully commit to him? Am I going to put my flesh under and do what he says? Or am I going to throw a pity party for me? There's no place for a pity party in the life of a believer. No place for it. And boy, have I seen some pity parties in the body of Christ. It's fun being a pastor. You get to see it all. Oh, the pity parties. They don't understand me. They don't know what I, the gifts I have. Oh, they don't know how anointed I am. Really. When you hear people talking like that, that's a talk of someone who's not totally committed, who hasn't fully surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ. When you fully surrender to him, you can't be offended. <laughs> Why? Because you become crucified with him. 
A dead man can't be offended. We're dead to sin. We're alive to Christ. Right? Let me see if I can do this. I, I, I really think we need to get this in. You doing okay? Let's go to Isaiah 55. See, when darkness turns it up, you turn it up. When darkness starts pressuring you, you turn up the heat. You turn on the light. You start declaring who Christ is in your life. When all this stuff's going on in our country, you start declaring Jesus is Lord of this nation. There's peace in every city. The peace of Christ reigning in every city. Hallelujah. There's peace. There are the people loving one another. The love of Christ bursting forth among every nation in this nation. Hallelujah. I don't like to use the word race because the Bible doesn't talk of races. It talks of nations. Race is a man idea. We're, we're of different nations. There's only one race, right? The human race. We're all of the same blood. That's what the Bible teaches. So see, you can, you, you've been listening to the wrong voices. You get all upset about races. That's all man's thinking. <laughs> races? What are you talking about races? We're one, one race. You can't have plural if there's only one. There's only one. You see how your thinking changes when you start reading the Word of God? So I see everybody as one. One race. One people. Right? Now there is a chosen race, those who put their faith in Christ. So because of Christ now, you can become part of a chosen race. Okay? Hallelujah. Turn it up. Turn up the light. So in Isaiah 55, God is imploring us to come to him and embrace his thinking. He says, come to me, please, please. Think like I think. Believe like I believe. Live as I live. In fact, I wish we had time, but you read today Isaiah 53 and 54. And uh, I'll just hit some highlights. So powerful. Isaiah is, li is like one of the Gospels because there's so much of Jesus in Isaiah. But he, he, he just, I mean, you want to get the real, real effect, you just got to read the whole book of Isaiah, all 66 chapters. But in Isaiah 53, he says, Who's believed our report? To whom has the power, the strength of the Lord been revealed? And he starts talking about the Messiah coming and growing up as a tender shoot, that he was despised and rejected of men. And then in verse 4, he says, Surely he's borne our sicknesses, carried our diseases. He was wounded for our transgressions. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. With his stripes were healed. And he just goes on about all that we have through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And, and, and in verse 54, he says, Sing, brave forth into sinking. And, 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 and he starts says, Fear not for for you shall not be ashamed. And then he says, For this is as the waters of Noah unto me. For as I have sworn the waters of Noah should no more cover the earth, so I have sworn I would no longer be angry with you, nor rebuke you. I'm going to get to Isaiah 55 in just a moment. He's saying, in other words, because of what I'm doing, about to do through my son Jesus Christ, I'll never rebuke you again. I'll never be angry with you again. He says, the mountains may be removed. This is 5410. And the hills, be, the mountains, 
For the mountains shall depart, and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from you, neither shall my covenant of wholeness of well-being be removed from you, says the Lord. And all your children shall be taught of the Lord. Why aren't you speaking that over your kids? Because you haven't read it probably. Right? This is a promise for all believers. All my children are taught of the Lord, and great is the well-being of my children. Amen. So that's all. I wouldn't have time, and he just, no weapon formed against you. This is all preceding Isaiah 55. Just wow. You know, a brand new covenant coming into the earth, a covenant of well-being. I'll never be angry with you again. No weapon formed against you will will prosper uh, because I'm going to give you my righteousness. This is all before Isaiah 55. You have to get the context of something to really appreciate it. And then in Isaiah 55, God starts talking, and he says, Ho! That's like, Ho! Over here! Listen up, everybody! It's like a bullhorn. He's trying to get our attention. Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Sounds like John 7, 37. Jesus on the great feast day stood up and said, let him who is thirsty come and drink. Right? And, and he who believes in me out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. So there's this great invitation. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for, for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Why are you watching newscasts for information? Let your soul delight in me. Incline your ear. Come to me. Here and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you. The sure mercies of David. Can you, am I stretching things that, that, to say that God is inviting us to come to him? Why do I bring that up? Because there are those who take the next well, two verses we're going to read and say that, that God doesn't want us to know his thoughts. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. How, how do I have to seek him with all of my heart? If I'm not seeking him with all of my heart, I'm not seeking him. Will I find him if I seek him with 97%? Nope. How do I know that? The word tells me. We just read it, Jeremiah, right? So I've got to seek him with 100% of my person if I want to find him. Nothing else will do. Come on, I want you to get this. Don't be a whiny baby. Seek him with all of your heart. You're not weak. You're strong. Seek him with, if you've got issues in your life, seek him with all your heart. Watch him solve every one of them. Just seek him. The answers for every issue of your life are found by seeking him with all of your heart. The answer for every issue in your life is found by seeking the Lord, not a statue, the living God with all of your heart. Right? I'll make it. He says, seek the Lord while I'm calling. Verse 7, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. How dare you say I should change my thinking? Why do you consider your conclusions so 
valuable. If my conclusions don't perfectly agree with Jesus' word, I get rid of it immediately. 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 I tear it up. I stomp on it. I tear it apart and I throw it in the garbage. Nothing I have is sacred if it doesn't line up with the person of Jesus. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. This is the verse, I'm sorry, verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So people take verse 8 and 9 and just those verses and they'll say, see, God works in mysterious ways. You can't know what he's going to do next. We can't know his thoughts. Just read the whole chapter, bro. You know? The whole thing is forsake your thoughts and embrace mine. Because my thoughts are higher than yours. My thoughts are way better. You see what he's saying? The answer you're looking for is found in my thinking. Do you see that? Are we, trying to, are we making this up to create some kind of new doctrine? The moment you hear someone say, well, you never know what the Lord's going to do. You know, that's someone who hasn't accepted his thoughts. We know what he's going to do. Deliver, heal, set free, prosper, make whole, bring victory. We know what he's going to do. He's revealed it to us in his word. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. It's good to know what God's going to do. It's good to know what he's already done. Hallelujah. It's good to know what he's doing right now. I can't know that if I'm not in this book. And I've got to rightly divide it. Right? Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm amazed that the people will, will, will attribute things like this self-proclaimed pandemic. They'll attribute it to God's mysterious workings. Are you kidding me? Where do you get that stuff? What pandemic did Jesus bring in his ministry? Well, God knows how to, to use these things to teach us. Are you kidding me? Where do you see that in the ministry of Jesus? Right? Here's tuberculosis to teach you a lesson. Can you find that in here? In here? Can you find it? You'll find it in churches and in church doctrine. You won't find it in here. If I can't see it on the pages of this book in the ministry of Jesus Christ, I don't accept it. I can't see God using any sickness anywhere to teach anybody anything. No, you can. I know people have tried to say it's in here, but it's not. You study it out. Well, what about Paul's thorn? What about Paul's thorn? What have you heard about it? What have you read? People say, well, Paul's thorn, God put a disease on Paul to keep him humble. Where did you get such a devilish idea? And not from the Scriptures. Not from the Scriptures at all. There is no Scripture to support that. Not one. We won't go into it because we don't have time, but I'll give you a little bit. and You study it out for yourself. Paul tells us what the thorn was. It was a messenger of Satan. A demon. Hello. 
sent to buffet him, to stir up uh, resistance and persecution everywhere he went. That's what it was. Paul was using a figure of speech, which we all use in the Bible. We, and us in regular life, we all have figures of speech. What a pain in the neck that was. There was no pain in my neck. I'm just saying it, it was a frustrating situation. Paul, being a scholar of the Scriptures, was using a figure of speech that was used in the Old Testament when God said to remove these people from your nation because they will become thorns in your sides and barbs in your eyes. They weren't literally going to become thorns. It's a figure of speech. That's how we talk. There was no thorns sticking in Paul's side. There was no sickness in his body. You study it out. You see what I'm talking about. But that's what religious tradition does. Religious tradition tries to explain things that go on in people's lives with human wisdom. And it leaves people in bondage. And, and, and did God say no to Paul when he prayed? You read the Scripture. He did not. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. What is the grace of God? The very power of God. Right? Did Paul, be, was he victorious in his gospel journeys? You better believe it. He was stoned at one point. Brought back from the dead. Tortured. Put in the, the deep innermost prison. He began singing. And what happened? The chains fell off. The walls of the prison shook. They all walked out of there. God's grace is sufficient. It delivers us. It doesn't keep us in bondage. Hallelujah. My, oh, my. God is so good. Let's finish with this. Mark 11, 22 through 24. God wants you to embrace his every thought. I mean, wrap your arms around it and never let go. Meditate in it, speak it, believe it, sing it, shout it every day of your life. For time's sake, I won't go through Matthew chapter 11, but this is a day in the life of Jesus. He's going about his ministry and, and he's hungry and he sees uh, a fig leaf in the distance with leaves on it and, and he goes up to it. There's no fruit on, of it. fruit on it. He curses the fig tree. And the fig tree dies from the roots. All right, this is Jesus modeling what our life is to be like. He was our example as a son of man, right? He speaks to the tree and his disciples are amazed that not only that it died, but it died supernaturally from the roots. And that's why the word of God is so important. It will get to the root of your problem. Man's ideas deal with the surface. They might get rid of this little thing on the surface over here, and then something pops up over here. Then you've got to take something to get rid of this symptom that pops up over here. And then, then you take that, and then this symptom pops up over here. You've got to find something to get rid of that. And all of a sudden, you're taking five and six, seven medications, and you're in bondage to it all. See, the Word of God will go right to the root of your problem and pull that thing out of you and set you free. So his disciples are so amazed at what Jesus did. And I love what Jesus says in Mark eleven twenty two 22 through 24. Jesus was matter of fact. 
He expected what he said to happen. And he says to them, stand back and watch my stuff. Because I'm the only one who can do these things. Make statues of me. Jesus was matter of fact. Embrace this God life. What? This is Isaiah 53, 54, 55, isn't it? Embrace this God life. Really embrace it and nothing will be too much for you. What did he just do? Invite them to do what he just did. Invite them to live as he was living. Right? Am I stretching this? Not a bit. Right? We're just reading it, aren't we? This mountain, for instance, just say go jump in the lake, no shuffling or shilly-shally, and it's as good as done. That's why I urge you to pray for absolutely everything, ranging from small to large. Include everything as you embrace this God life, and you'll get God's everything. What did he say in John 14, 12 through 14? Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. See, God is not doing this at all to anybody. His arms, he said, come on, come on. Come on, let me show you how to do this. Come on, let me show you. Let me show you how to lay hands on the sick. Let me show you how to raise the dead. Let me show you how to walk on the water. Come on and do the things I did. Come on, think as I think. Believe as I believe. Speak as I speak. Live as I live. Hallelujah. Think his thoughts. Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for your word. Lord, your word absolutely changes everything. We're so thankful that you don't have a weak, whiny, uh, humanistic word, but you have a word that's perfect in all of its ways. When your word comes, it goes to the root of the issue, and it removes and kills that root and sets us free. We're so thankful that your word is a sifter, that your word separates and gets rid of the mud in our thinking and enables us to see the valuable uh, gold of your truth. So, Lord, that we can prosper and become wealthy in you and move forward uh, walking in the reality of what you've done for us and in the riches of Christ's supply for us. Thank you for your word, Father. Lord, I pray for this highway family. And, Lord, as you have uh, encouraged me to do so, I pray that the mud would be removed in thinking. That your word, that Lord, this highway family would choose your word over the muddy ideas of man. That this highway family would choose your word over religious philosophies and traditions. Lord, I ask you to flood the eyes of each heart in this highway family with the light of Jesus Christ. That they would know for sure and certain and understand their calling that they would know and understand for sure and for certain the, the resurrection power of Christ that is in them. That they would know and see and understand for sure the riches of their inheritance in you. Lord, that they'd shake off the, the garbage of these last four months. Shake off the fears and the unknowns and the the noise of this world. And they'd stand up and be your sons and daughters. And they'd move forward in all that you have for them, Lord. Father, we ask you to restore 
healthy living to this nation. Restore jobs and, and restore the workplace, Lord. Restore the normal godly activities of everyday living. We come against uh, the fears. We come against the spirits of fear and hatred, the spirits of racism and division. We come against all of these demonic things. We bind them in the name of Jesus Christ. And we declare Jesus Lord of this nation. From coast to coast, border to border, we declare Jesus Lord of this nation. We speak peace into every city. Peace, the peace of Christ, the order of the Holy Spirit restored in these cities. We come against the spirits of chaos and anarchy. We command you to cease and desist. And we call forth for order in our cities. We call forth for peace in our cities. In Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, we ask you to change hearts to those who have de who decided to look down on other people because of the color of their skin. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to, to change hearts, to break prejudices, to break ideas of racism and strongholds of racism in people's lives and open their eyes to the reality of Jesus Christ. That men and women who may be racist at this moment would be born again and their hearts will be transformed and they begin loving people as you love them. Lord, do a work in this nation that only you can do by your Spirit. That only you can do by your Spirit. Where people who used to hate each other are giving their lives for each other, are loving each other, are following you and living for you. In Jesus' name. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.